Welcome back, everyone. Thank you so much for joining in. Don't forget to jump on Apple or wherever get your podcast and leave that five-star rating so that more people can find this podcast if they haven't heard about it already. Thank you so much for joining last week. I'm sure you had just as much fun as I did listening to those stories. This week, we're going to jump into all-star voting. You know, the fun thing about all-star voting is you can vote however you want for the starters. I would love to jump and dig into who should statistically actually be the starters for the National League this week. I think it'll be a lot of fun. We'll break it down statistically on who has had the best season so far and who really, truly deserves a vote. I'm not going to tell you how to vote. We're just going to break it down statistically, and it's going to be a lot of fun. So without further ado, let's get started. Alright, so to really break this down, we need to set the true parameters of how this thing works. It's not just, hey, these are the guys that deserve to be on the all-star team because they've been having the best years. Not that simple. I wish it was, but it's not. The way it works, and the fun thing about it, is that for the offensive starters, as we all probably know, that is done by human voters Just like me and you, we can go on MLB.com, vote five times a day. But that's only the offensive starters, right? That does not include the pitchers, and it does not include the reserve players. There are 20 position player slots and 12 pitcher spots. Now, there will be injury replacements, or if there's a pitcher that has pitched within the past few days and they don't want to pitch on the all-star team, they give up their spot knowing that they are not going to pitch. Now, they'll still be considered an all-star, but they will not be playing in the game. And they'll probably be spending time with their family. And there's always, you know, the rare chance that someone just opts out of the all-star game. It's rare, but it happens. But for this exercise, there will only be 20 position players and 12 pitchers, right? And then on top of that, we should know that those reserve spots... And the pitcher spots, how are those selected? That is by the players, and that is by the commissioner's office. It's a combined effort, essentially. They decide who the reserves are, and they decide who the pitchers are. Now, the bad thing about this is that players are busy playing the game. They play 162 games a year. Well, you know, probably not all 162, but they're on a 162-game grind. They're not really watching a bunch of games and digging into the statistics. They're just looking at, when they play people, how great they look or the highlights they've watched. I don't blame them. I mean, their whole life is baseball. Do they really want to spend more time digging into the statistics? They probably just do a quick brush over, just like a lot of fans probably do. And that's okay. That's their right. They're allowed to vote however they want to, just like we are. But because of that, there's a lot of snubs sometimes that don't have big names or play for a smaller market team, especially in the reserve slots. With fans, if you have a player like Whit Merrifield or whatever, that plays for a smaller market team, but he's the face of the franchise, him and Salvi Perez, people like that, a lot of times they'll get a lot of votes. But also, on the flip side of that, They could be having a down year, but because they're the face of a franchise, that's the only person that that fan base can vote for. On that same note, it should be noted that every single team has to be represented. So even teams like the Reds and the Pirates that have not been doing well will have a player in the All-Star game. And so you have to factor that in as well. So that's the hard part about projecting the All-Star team. Because you're going to have players that do deserve it, that won't make it, because they're going to be snubbed because teams like the Reds may not actually have an all-star caliber player this year, but they will have a player on the roster. Now, the Pirates definitely have some all-star caliber players, but you get what I'm saying. It, it, It happens. So with that in mind, let's jump into who I believe is going to make the all-star team. What I'm going to do is I'm going to break it down statistically. I'm going to do everything possible to keep bias out of it. 
because I'm one of those people, I'm just going to be upfront about it. I like seeing the Braves make the all-star team, and I know that those Braves players get, a lot of them get incentives for making the all-star team. So I'm one of those guys that a lot of times, unless they just have a bad year, like a terrible year, I I mostly vote Braves. I'm just going to be honest with you guys, but I do want to break it down statistically on who I believe actually deserves the all-star nod based on their statistics alone. If I was to go position by position and break down starters, reserves, pitchers, and do a deep dive statistically, this podcast would probably be three hours long. So I'm going to do my best to keep it concise. And if you have a qualm on who you think should be in instead of someone I said, Please, please, please leave a comment on Twitter or Facebook, wherever I post this, and let's have that conversation. I want to have that conversation with you. And the great thing is, is you're a fan. I'm a fan. We can vote however we want. That is what is so fun about the All-Star Game, is the fans choose the starters, and it's a blast. And the debates that come with it are awesome as well. All right, let's just go ahead and start with first base. I feel bad for Matt Olson because Braves fans seem to be split on him, so he might not be any votes from the Braves fan base. But either way, probably won't matter because he's not having the best year so far for first baseman in the National League. First base is probably the easiest position as a starter across the league. For me, it's Paul Goldschmidt. He's not even close. He leads all major league first basemen and wins above replacement by a lot. He has 3.6 wins above replacement. Second place is Ty France at 2.4. Check out Paul Goldsmith's slash line. 344 average, 426 on base percentage with a 631 slugging percentage. His runs created plus is 195. That's 95% above league average. Just for reference, second in Major League Baseball, not nationally alone, but Major League Baseball is Ty France. With a 163 runs created plus, 63% above league average, whereas Paul Goldsmith is 95% above league average. Goldsmith is having a bad defensive year by his standards, but overall, he is by far the best first baseman so far this year, and it's not particularly close. So, remember how I said there's 20 position players and 12 pitchers? It's going to be hard to do, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you a number one and a number two from each position. And, you know, eight plus times two is 16. And then I'm going to give the four best at that are left over. That way, it's clean across the board. Because you want to have a reserve for every position, at least one. And then the four best after that for position players. All right, my next one, the reserve for first base, is probably going to be my most controversial but I'm going to say Freddie Freeman. Now, offensively, he has not been as good as Pete Alonso, but overall, he has more wins above replacement, and it's because his defense has been way better, and his base running has been extremely better. Freddie Freeman is the best base runner, first baseman base runner in Major League Baseball, right above Paul Goldsmith. Pete Alonso gives negative value on the base paths. He gives extra negative value defensively, whereas Freddie Freeman, overall player, has been better than Pete Alonso. Now, the thing about it is a lot of times voting looks at purely offense and doesn't look at that other stuff. So odds are that Pete Alonso would get it over Freddie Freeman if unless Freddie Freeman wins the fan vote. But statistically, Freddie Freeman has a 130... Runs created plus to Pete Alonso's 155. Freddie Freeman's slash line is 286, 372, 441. But his BSR is 3.3 to Pete Alonso's negative 1. And his defense is negative 2.5 defensive rating by fan graphs to Pete Alonso's negative 7.5, which equates to a 2.2 wins above replacement over Pete Alonso's 2.1. I, for one, and big on base running, especially BSR. It shows the base running outside of stealing bases. It's extremely important. As we saw early in the season with Matt Olson being thrown out at home twice, it's a big deal. 
and so is defense, especially at first base. If you're extremely negative at first base, people are going to get super frustrated, as we've seen with Matt Olson as well, having a down year defensively. Of course, first base is, technically speaking, the easiest defensive position, but if we're going first base versus first base in all-star voting, of course, defense definitely matters quite a bit. And so I'm going Freddie Freeman as the reserve for first base, barely edging out Pete Alonso. Remember how I said I'm going to do who should be? This one is a little frustrating because Tommy Edmond of the Cardinals, who's having an otherworldly season, is a second baseman. Like, he's played way more at second base than he has at shortstop, but for whatever reason, he's on the ballot as a shortstop. So since we're doing who should be, we're putting Tommy Edmond as a second baseman in this, okay? Tommy Edmond is by far the best second baseman this year. Not even close, much like... Paul Goldschmidt. Him and Goldschmidt have been a big reason why the Cardinals have been successful this year. He has a 3.3 wins above replacement. The second best is Jeff McNeil at a 2.2, right? And it's because his defense has been out of this world. It It's actually been better than Dansby Swanson, if that tells you anything. His base running has been twice as good as Freddie Freeman, and Freddie Freeman is the best base running first baseman. Now, his offense has not been as good as Jeff McNeil, right? Jeff McNeil has a 142 runs created plus and uh, who is also tied for uh, second best in Major League Baseball with Andres Jimenez of the Guardians at 2.2 wins above replacement. But if we look at his overall game, Jeff McNeil has negative defensive value His base running isn't even close at 1.6 of BSR. And Edmonds' 129 runs created plus is obviously lower than Jeff McNeil's 142. So McNeil being on a bigger market on a team that's in first place is probably going to get the fan vote at second base. But Tommy Edmond, to me, is not even really a competition. Tommy Edmond would be the starter. And Jazz Chisholm Jr. might get some votes too because he's been electric this year. Uh, but I'm going to say that Jeff McNeil would get the reserve spot just because overall, his overall game has just been better. It's 12% better offensively. Uh, his overall wins above replacement is higher. Jazz, his his offense hasn't been as good. His defense is better than Jeff McNeil's, but his base running is just slightly better. So his overall game, Jeff McNeil has the edge at second base that for over Jazz. Jazz will probably get... The Miami Marlins spot, though, but we're gonna we're going by who should, and we're gonna say Jeff McNeil should be the reserve for second base. All right, moving right along to shortstop. This one you're probably gonna be happy about. Go figure that the three biggest profile teams right now in the National League, being the Braves, Dodgers, and Mets, have the three best shortstops in the league at Dansby Swanson, Trey Turner, and Francisco Lindor. It's gonna be a battle between them three. But Dansby Swanson has been the best shortstop in the National League with his overall game. You know, we know that people vote offensively first a lot. But fortunately for Dansby Swanson, he's actually been having his best offensive year. And it's not even close as far as his career goes. He's been excellent defensively. In fact, he's been the third best defensive shortstop in Major League Baseball behind Jeremy Pena, who is a Houston shortstop. So he's in the American League, so he's not even competing against Dansby for votes. And the only person in the National League that's been better defensively is Willie Adamas for the Milwaukee Brewers. And he that's because he had a recent surge defensively. He just now passed up Dansby Swanson. Dansby Swanson's been excellent defensively. Offensively, let's look at his slash line. He has, currently has a 290 batting average, 356 OBP, which is way higher than his career average. His slugging percentage is 462. So his runs created plus is 128, 28% better than league average. Trey Turner slightly edges him out at a 134. And Francisco Lindor actually has a lower W. RC plus he's actually been slumping recently so that's going to help Dansby Swanson so really the only competition is Trey Turner but overall Dansby Swanson is an, is a good base runner he's almost as good as Trey Turner's this year 
Uh, Danzu Swanson has a 1.7 BSR to Trey Turner's 1.8, which is interesting considering Danzu Swanson typically is like an extremely good base runner. He is good this year, but <laughs> Freddie Freeman's having a better year, which is absolutely insane. But his offense, defense, his wins above replacement is 2.7 to Trey Turner's 2.4. Dansby Swanson has the edge, and Trey Turner is clearly the number two shortstop in the National League. So there's your starter. There's your reserve for shortstop. There's our first Brave on the, on the list. All right, let's move over to the hot corner. This one is difficult. Let me tell you, it's typically one of the hardest positions to pick because your top offensive guys are typically at first base and third base. And for the past few years, Third base has had some excellent players there, both the American League and National League. Braves fans may not like this, but Manny Machado is the clear front runner here. And I'll give you an example of by how much. Okay, so Austin Riley is in third place in National League for wins above replacement at two. Manny Machado, double that at four. He has had twice as good of a season as Austin Riley, and that is in no way trashing Austin Riley because, as we all know, Austin Riley is doing fantastic this year. That's just how good Manny Machado has been. His overall game is insane. He's had a better defensive year than Dansby Swanson, who has been elite with the glove this year. He's got a 6.5 defensive rating at Fangraphs overall. His base running has been over the top at 2.5 BSR, and his offense is 60% better in league average at a 160 runs created plus. His slash line is 327, 398, 536. It's just been an insanely good year. That's all I can say about it. I mean, he's he's in first place at 4.0 wins by replacement. Nolan Arenado is second place at 2.7. It's just his overall game. This is the year that the Padres were hoping that Manny Machado would have when they signed to that long contract. He is in MVP contention right now as we speak. So it's really clearly Manny Machado's spot to lose. He's He's got to basically go on a massive slump. Um, and Austin Riley and Nolan Arenado would have to tear it up for the next few weeks to overtake him as the clear favorite to be the starter for the National League for third base. Second place is really, really close between Austin Riley and Nolan Arenado. Now, Nolan Arenado ha has been 4% better with the bat, but if we look at how Austin Riley is swinging the bat, his expected weighted on base average is way higher than Nolan Arenado. So Austin Riley's actually gotten pretty unlucky. His weighted on base average is slightly better than Nolan Arenado's as well. Because his slugging percentage is higher, right? Nolan Arenado's OBP is higher, and his average is higher, but Austin Riley's slugging is higher. So when Austin Riley does hit the ball, it has a better effect. But Nolan Arenado, unfortunately for Austin Riley, has the edge in base running and a massive edge defensively. Austin Riley's actually having a down year this year defensively. If we, You know how we talked about how Dansby Swanson was doing great from Fangraph's perspective of defensive rating at 6.2. Austin Riley right now is a negative 2.2. So for whatever reason this year, his defense has really been hurting him. So if we're looking at an overall standpoint, unfortunately for Braves fans, Nolan Arenado does have the edge over Austin Riley to take the reserve slot at third base. Let's stay in the infield here and move on to catcher. Just for what it's worth, Contreras is in the DH slot, so you could vote for him. I just want to throw that out there. If you're listening, go vote for Contreras in the DH slot. That would be so much fun to have him as the DH for National League. Does he deserve it from a rate stat point? Of course he does, but he hasn't played as many games as other DHs. So, you know, that's how we got to look at it. But it would be fun, wouldn't it? But anyways, let's move on to catcher. And I do have to correct myself from earlier. I was doing it on the fly, the math. I said eight position players times two equals 16, and then there's going to be four players that we pick the four best. This is the first year the National League had the DH spot on the ballot. So really it's nine position players if you include the DH. So nine times two equals 18 plus the two best outside of that is what we're going to be doing. If we were doing the catcher position, you could argue that the Braves would have the starters. But unfortunately for Braves fans, 
Wilson Contreras is having the best year of his life offensively. He leads all major league catchers and wins above replacement at 2.4. Second place is Alejandro Kirk for the Toronto Blue Jays. And third place is Jose Trevino at 1.8 for the Yankees. So that's how well Wilson Contreras is doing. He's got a 158 runs created plus. It's 58% better than league average. Just for reference, Travis Darno 111. That's how much better Wilson Contreras has been doing. His defense has been below average, though, at negative 1.3, which has really hurt him. But his base running has been above average, which is pretty rare for a catcher at 0.2. Wilson Contreras' slash line is 276, 393, 531. His weighted on-base average is 402. He's killing it offensively. Fortunately... Travis Darno, because of his defense, which is odd because typically that's not his calling card, but this year has been his best year defensively, and it's not even close. And he is uh, not doing like the worst at base running. Um, he's typically not a good base runner. This year, he's not the worst base runner in the league for catchers. So that's kind of up. We still got a negative 1.3 BSR, but with his overall game, including his defense. Travis Darno is actually the second best National League catcher, barely edging out, barely edging out Dalton Varsho of Arizona. Dalton Varsho has been a much better base runner than him, but has not been as good defensively or offensively. So Travis Darno definitely edges him out, and I would imagine because he's had better offense and defense that the players would vote for him as well. So we're probably going to see Darno in, in the All-Star game regardless, but he should be a reserve as a catcher for sure. Let's move on to DH before we move to the outfield because DH is tricky. In the National League and across the American League for the most part nowadays, you barely have or you typically do not have a designated hitter in a sense of it's one guy that's always your DH unless you're Nelson Cruz because it's a good way for good teams especially, to use that spot to give a little bit of rest. And as you've seen, the Braves don't have a typical DH. Sometimes Ozuna plays there, sometimes Contreras, sometimes Darno. It depends, right? And so it's really tricky. So rather than just making guesses on that, we will use the ballot for this. We'll only use the guys that are on the ballot to decide who should of those guys make it. I know we didn't do that with Edmund, but this is really the only true way you can do that. With these parameters in place, a DH does not play defense, right? So there are players that have played defense because they weren't a DH the entire time. So we're just going to look at the offensive rating. There are guys like Orlando Arcia and Contreras for the Braves that their rate stats are insane, right? Their OPS but they've had a much smaller sample size. We've got to look at the overall damage that they've done. And without a doubt, it is Bryce Harper. <laughs> Braves fans aren't going to like that, obviously. But Bryce Harper overall offensive game has been insane. If we look at Fangraph's overall offensive rating, and this is just for reference, right? Bryce Harper has a 21.9. Don't really worry about what that means. You can just look at how well his overall offense has been to second place. His offensive rating is 21.9. And the second best of DHs on the ballot is Garrett Cooper of the Miami Marlins at 10.7. So we're looking at an offensive output that that is almost twice as good. Bryce Harper at 21.9 to... Actually, it is twice as good (laughs) to Garrett Cooper's 10.7. That's purely offense, right? We're not going to look at wins above replacement because that's overall game. We're not going to look at defense because we're voting for a designated hitter. For whatever reason, the Phillies have decided to play Bryce Harper at DH this year for the most part. He does qualify as DH, and he's a DH on the ballot. Not really fair to the other guys, if we're being honest here, but he is on the ballot as DH, and Bryce Harper is having another MVP-type season. It's Bryce Harper as the starter, and Garrett Cooper is the second best. As far as overall output, now if Contreras had played more so far, like if he had played more games, he would obviously be up there. 
but he just he hasn't played as many games as Garrett Cooper. So because of that, Garrett Cooper has had more output. So just consolation, if we're looking at rate stats, then Contreras would definitely be in the conversation as a starter or second. But because he hasn't played as many games, it's just not fair to penalize other people based on just rate stats. Because overall output, Garrett Cooper has had more. Like, for example, William Contreras is only has only played 28 games. And Orlando Orcia has only played 20 games to Bryce Harper's 60 and Garrett Cooper's 55. But William Contreras has been 5th best offensively. Orlando Arcia has been 6th best offensively, right? And if you were to put those two together in, in only 48 games, they would be better than Garrett Cooper by far. Like, Garrett Cooper's 10.7, William Contreras is 8.2, and he's played half the games. So William Contreras could easily catch up to Garrett Cooper by the time that the All-Star game happens, but at this moment in time, the reserve would be Garrett Cooper. I do think William Contreras will catch him, though. All right, before we move on to the outfield, which is three positions in one with three reserves and pitchers, which is 12 spots, let's go ahead and take a break. All right, moving on to outfielders. I know we're going to be disappointed that Ronald Acuna is not on this list, even though he probably will get voted in. The thing with him, though, is as we all know, he has not played a full season. So we're looking statistically who has accumulated the most value and should earn a spot. Now, if Ronald Acuna would have played a full season, odds are he would have been one of those outfielders. But since he was injured, just want to throw that caveat out there as to why he is not in the top three. Really, I should say top six because we're going to say the top, the starting three outfielders and the three reserves. This season has been crazy as far as outfielders go. For example, statistically so far, Mookie Betts would easily be the top starter to be pulled in, but he just cracked his ribs, so he probably won't be starting the All-Star game. However, just for the purpose of this exercise, let's say that he does heal up quick enough and is able to get on the roster as a starter. We're going to go with Mookie Betts here just as just because he's been so good. His base running, as always, is solid. His runs created plus is 148. He leads all National League outfielders and wins above replacement at 3.3. It's not even particularly close. Second place is Brandon Nimmo with 2.0. Like That's how much of a difference it is. His uh, slash line is a 273. 349-535. You'll notice that his OBP is not tops in the league by any means, but his overall defense, offense, and base running just puts him way above the top with every, than everybody else. So Mookie Betts would be up there. Then number number two is is it's hard to say between Ian Happ or Brandon Nemo, but we're choosing three, right? So we're gonna say those two. The, the one thing that Ian Happ has over Brandon Nimmo is that Nimmo has had negative base running, which is why you're going to see that uh, that even though Ian Happ's defense is much worse than Brandon Nimmo's, who Brandon Nimmo's has, is well above average defense. Uh, Brandon Nimmo's defense is 3.6. Fangraph's defensive rating, as you can see, it's about, if you, if you want to look at reference, Mookie Betts is 4.0. Like he's really close to Mookie Betts in defense. Uh, his offense isn't quite up there with Ian Happ, but Ian Happ's base running is better and his defense is worse. Brandon Nimmo's slash line is a 359, sorry 261, 359, 401, which means his uh, runs created plus is 124 to Ian Happ's 134 runs created plus. Really the only ones that come close to those two offensively in the outfield for the National League is Jock Peterson, but Jock Peterson is really bad defensively uh, this year. Really, really bad. Um, at negative 4.3, he 
He has played 56 games this year, Jock Peterson has, which is odd because typically he's not a full-time starter. So it's really cool to see Jock Peterson do really well. Again, typically players are selected solely by their offense, so that could really help Jock Peterson this year as far as votes go. But from his overall game, uh, Jock Peterson really ranks around 15th best this year for outfielders. So that leaves the the backups. So Jerickson and Profar is actually having probably the best year of his career. 1.6 wins above replacement so far this year with a 118 runs created plus. That's really helped by his uh, his base running is about league average, and he's played 67 games, which is tops in the league. So. Over time, players will probably catch up to him. People like Tommy Pham might catch up to him. Mark Canha might catch up. Kyle Schwarber might catch up. People like that. But currently, Jerks and Profar would be your top reserve player solely because of his accumulated stats over 67 games. And then Mike Yaz would be a reserve at 1.6 war. He's also got negative defense, but his base running has been above average. His run created plus is 133. He's got 56 games to jerks in Profar's 67. So as you can see, you know, stats accumulate when you play more games. And then I would say uh, the last reserve would be Mark Canha from New York Mets. He's got 1.5 war. His base running has been... Subpar, negative 0.4, but he does have a 133 runs created plus with a very solid slash line. His slash line is 296, 385, 402. So, as you can see, his offense has been very good this year, which was, you know, predicted. He was, you might not have heard of him before this year just because he played for the Oakland A's, much like Matt Olson. But Mark Conha was a guy that I really wanted on the Braves. I've, I've, I really like his batting profile, and, and it has translated this year to really good numbers. His only issue is that his expected weighted on base average is pretty low at 325, which means that over time his numbers will drop. He's not hitting the ball hard, but he is placing the ball well. So if he continues to hit the way he's hitting, his numbers may drop before the All-Star game hits, which may mean someone like Tommy Pham or Kyle Schwarber will take over uh, as, as guys that would be a reserve statistically, but at this moment in time. So just for kicks, if we say that Mookie Betts is injured and he's out, not going to be able to make it, I would say his injured reserve spot Currently, we go to Tommy Pham, who also has a 1.5 wins above replacement. His base running is really what's put him over the top because his runs created plus is only a 118, but he's been a better base runner than Mookie Betts. He's been a better base runner than Gavin Lux. Really, the only person that would even come close is Harrison Bader has been a better base runner than him this year for outfielders. He's just been killing it on the base paths. And remember, BSR is all base running aside from steals. Like, that's how good he is, not even including steals. His defense has been subpar, but his base running has far made up for it. His slash line's 258, 358, 431. So that would be my replacement, closely followed by Kyle Schwarber and Harrison Bader. But those are the outfielders as of right now. So let's move on to the one area that is really difficult to select, especially considering you have to have one player from each team. And so let's go with the pitchers now. Okay. And again, I say it has to have one player of each team. And so the way we're doing this is I'm saying should. We're not factoring that in because... There's going to be snubs for sure because of that caveat. Just as a refresher, there are 12 roster spots for pitchers. And the one that's the easiest selection by far is Sandy Alcantara. He's been pitching lights out this year. 
He's got a 1.72 ERA. And remember, this is based on on-field performance, not expectancy stats. This is what has actually happened. He leads all pitchers in the National League in wins above replacement, 2.7, 1.72 ERA. He strikes out 8.15 hitters per nine innings. The dude has been lights out in 99.1 innings. He still has a 1.72 ERA. I mean, all the other guys with low ERAs like Joe Musgrove and guys like that, they have not even pitched anywhere close to as many innings as Sandy Alcantara has. So, to me, Sandy Alcantara should be the starter. So, that's pitcher number one. Pitcher number two, I would say, is Joe Musgrove. Okay, he's got a 1.59 ERA. He's only pitched 79 innings, but that's because I believe he was on the COVID list. Uh, he should be coming back. He is tied for second and wins above replacement for pitchers at 2.4 with Zach Wheeler. He would be my number two guy. It's fairly easy pick here. He strikes out 9.23 batters per nine innings. It's a pretty simple pick here. My number three guy would be Carlos Rodon. Now he does not he does not have as much uh, wins above replacement as Zach Wheeler and Aaron Nola at 2.2, but his strikeout rate is just insane with his ERA being really solid. He's got an ERA of 2.84, whereas he strikes out 11.22 batters per nine. His walks are a little up there at 3.33 per nine, which is why his Winsboro replacement is 0.2 lower. But it doesn't really matter because Zach Wheeler and Aaron Nola should also be up there as well in the top 10. Zach Wheeler is tied for second in wins above replacement at 2.4. He's got an ERA of 2.69. He's pitched 70.1 innings, which is one of the reasons why he is not on the top of the list of wins above replacement. He just hasn't pitched a ton of innings. He's barely walking any batters at 1.92. He's barely giving up per nine. He's barely giving up any home runs at 0.38 per nine. And he's striking out nearly 10 batters per nine innings at 9.98. His ERA is 2.69. Aaron Nola has a 3.11 ERA. He has pitched 89.2. One of those reasons why he's up here in, in wins of a replacement, whereas his rate stats are not quite as good, is because he's pitched quite a few innings. His strikeouts per nine innings is solid at 9.94. And he only walks 1.1 batter per nine innings, which is very, very solid. His one issue is that he does give up one home run, per nine innings pitched. Next, Braves fans will be happy. Kyle Wright, I have up there at 2.2 wins above replacement. He's got a 2.94 ERA. He's pitched 79.2 innings. He, strike out, he strikes out almost 10 batters per nine innings at 9.94, which is very impressive. The one area that he does struggle a little bit in, much like Carlos Rodon, is he walks 2.94 batters per nine innings, but that's still okay. His on-field numbers are still solid with that 2.94 ERA. Max Fried's stats are super similar to Kyle Wright's. He's got an ERA of 2.9, wins above replacement of 2.1. He's pitched one more inning than Kyle Wright. He strikes out a little bit less batters at 8.37 point per nine innings pitched, but he walks way less at 1.45 batters per. He does give up a little bit more home runs at 0.67 home runs per nine innings, whereas Kyle Wright only gives up 0.45 home runs. Just for what it's worth, Carlos Rodon gives up more home runs. Aaron Nolan gives up more home runs. Joe Musgrove gives up more home runs. Okay, so those two are definitely all-stars in my book. And then we've got Corbin Burns will be my last starter because I do I am a fan of throwing in some relievers in there. This one was a tough choice between Corbin Burns and Tyler Anderson, but I'm going to give the edge to Corbin Burns here with a 2.52 ERA, a 1.8 wins above replacement. He's pitched 78.2 innings. He strikes out 
1.44 batters per nine innings. He's only walks 1.94 batters per nine innings. He has struggled a little bit with the home run this year, which is why we're not seeing his ERA being closer to one like it typically is, which is weird to say. From ERA standpoint, a 2.52 is low for is not that low for his career, which is really insane to say. But it is 2.52 is very impressive. It's hard to not put him on the roster with these numbers. He gives up 1.14 home runs per nine, but that's okay. Everything else looks good. Uh, he's he's without a doubt uh, on the All-Star team this year if he keeps pitching like he is. So let's jump over to relief pitchers because there's quite a few. Well, at least there's three that really stick out to me. Typically, unfairly, on an all-star team, when it comes to relief pitchers, a lot of times people just pick the best closers. They don't really look at guys that are not closers, which is really unfair because there's a lot of relief pitchers that bring more value than closers do. They pitch more innings. They get more value out of that arm. And leading the league, leading the National League in wins above replacement is none other than Atlanta Brave, A.J. Minter. He leads all relief pitchers with 1.3 wins above replacement. He deserves to be on this all-star roster. In 29 innings pitched, he has 11.48 strikeouts per nine to only 1.55 walks per nine. His ERA is a 1.24. And, you know, we don't, we're not going to use expectancy stats, but since he's a Brave, I just wanted to point out uh, his expected ERA is still a 1.91, and his FIP is a 1.2. So he's pitching lights out. He truly is. He has not given up a single home run this year. He's looking good. And he hasn't gotten super lucky either because his batting average of balls in play against is 2.70. Now, speaking of which, Ryan Helsley would be, or Hesley, however you want to pronounce his last name, would be next on the list by pure on-field numbers. His expectancy stats show that he's gotten a little lucky, but his ERA is 0.36 in 25 innings pitch, so of course he's going to regress. But he is second in relief pitchers at 1.2 wins of a replacement. As of right now, I would definitely put him on my all-star roster. He's striking out 12.6 per nine. And his one issue is he is walking 2.52 per nine. However, when you strike out that many and you don't give up any home runs and you don't give up hardly any hits, the one if your one area is you walk a guy here and there, that's okay. His ERA is 0.36, like I said, second in the league, National League, in wins of replacement. He... He's got five saves. He's not really the closer, but that, I mean, he is the guy. I mean, you want him on the all-star roster. The weird thing this year is that, like I said, closers are not used as much as some other relief pitchers. So if you'd go down the list of, like, most innings pitched for relief pitchers, you're not going to see a lot of people that lead the league in saves. For example, Taylor Rogers leads the league in saves, right? But saves aren't everything. A lot of it is coincidental. Not to say that Taylor Rogers has not had a solid year. He's tied for with Spencer Strider for 13th in the National League for relievers. You know, Spencer Strider switched over to a starter, but in his relief appearances, tied for with Spencer Strider for 13th in the National League in wins above replacement, yet is first in the league in saves. And then Kenley Jansen is second in the league in saves and is seventh in wins above replacement. Edwin Diaz is fit is right ahead of him at fifth in wins above replacement, but is third in saves. So as you can see, like they they it's really finicky with with closers. But if we're going there there's gotta be a closer on the roster. It just does uh, Edwin Diaz, as much as I disagree with it, uh, I do think that Edwin Diaz, even if he wasn't a closer, would be on the roster as a reliever. The dude is striking out 17.45 batters. 17, that's right, .45 batters per nine. He's having an excellent season. This is the Edwin Diaz the Mets wanted when they traded for him. 
he's giving up less than one home run per nine, and that's while he's actually been super unlucky with batters having a uh, 405 batting average of balls in play against him. His ERA is a 2.3, which will drop if he continues to pitch like he's pitching because his expected ERA is a 1.39. Batting average of balls in play is inflated against him. Edwin Diaz is having an excellent season. He would be my third relief pitcher to fill that spot. He's tied for third in the league in wins above replacement. It, that's that he he deserves to be on the roster, even though he's a Met and Braves fans might not like that. He deserves to be on the roster over guys like Kenley Jansen, who would come really close in my book to making the roster. If they decide to go four relief pitchers, then Kenley Jansen might make it. Or if there's a injury replacement, Kenley Jansen might make it. Uh, Spencer Strider might make it too. I mean, he's right there too. Uh, but as far as if we're not factoring in injury replacements, Edwin. Diaz would be your third guy. There is arguments to be made also for guys like David Bednar of Pittsburgh. He's got 1.34 ERA. He's pitched 33.2 innings, striking out 12.3 per nine. He's had a solid season as well. And Devin Williams, you know, is, is Devin Williams. You know he's good. His only issue is that he, even though he strikes out 14.88 per nine, he walks almost five batters per nine, so that's really not helping him. But his ERA is still low at 2.42. Those are really the top relievers, in my opinion. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see how many relievers make the roster. So that leaves us with two roster spots for positional players because we've covered all the hitters, we've covered all the starters, and one reserve per position. So where do we go from here? Well, who deserves to be on it? would be the next two best hitters, or I should say, offensive players. Really, what I should say is players that are not pitchers, because we need to factor in base running, we need to factor in defense if we're picking the best players so far. Also note that literally in the middle of me recording this episode is when news broke that Manny Machado got hurt. So Manny Machado, I do not know if he'll be on the roster, it appears to be his ankle that's the issue, and he's done so well that it's going to be hard for players to catch up to him and pass him to where he wouldn't be good enough to be a reserve anyways. But there probably will be, in, that's just evidence that there will be injury replacements. So if you don't hear your favorite player on here on this episode, do know that there is a chance that they may make the all-star team as an injury replacement because as we've seen in the past, there's, that happens all the time. In the final two spots, it was really, really close between people, obviously. Uh, I have Jake Cronenworth taking the final spot. He is tied with Freddie Freeman for 11th in the National League in 2.3 wins above replacement in 67 games. He's really accumulated a lot of value because of how much he's been on the field. He's got a 118 runs created plus with a 258, 357, 412 slash line. And right behind him, who's also played 67 games, is Francisco Lindor with a 243, 323, 421 slugging, which is a 114 runs created plus. They both have added a lot of value on the base paths at 2.2 BSR and 1.8 respectively. They've both been decent with the bat, but both have provided solid defense. Jake Cronenworth at 2.9 defensive rating from Fangraphs and Francisco Lindor at 4.8. Both have been very, very solid. But a lot of their value has been that they've played 67 games. So those will be my final two spots. But because of they've played so many games and accumulate so much value, if some of these other players end up catch, will end up catching them if these two start taking breaks because their wins above replacement their rate stats are showing per game that there's other players that are doing better is what I'm getting at. And so people like Jazz Chisholm Jr. and Austin Riley are right behind them, like right on their coattails. So if the, either one of these two guys slip up in the next week or so, expect Austin Riley, maybe Pete Alonzo or Jazz Chisholm Jr., all three of those guys are right on their tail for taking that final spot. I do think that probably the way that players vote, that 
Jazz will probably be on the team. Pete Alonzo will probably be on the team. Austin Riley's really close, too. Austin Riley could make it from fan vote easily. He's a fan favorite for the Braves. But as far as statistically, those are the final two spots. And I look for Austin Riley, Pete Alonzo, and Jazz Chisholm to be injury replacements. First on the list for injury replacements as they are super close statistically to matching these guys. Uh, especially with if you look at the value added per game play because Jazz has only played 54 games and is right behind Francisco Lindor and Jake Cronenworth. And uh, like I said, there's going to be injury replacements anyways because Manny Machado might not make it and Mookie Betts might not make it So because of their injuries. So, I mean, we're looking at two guys that are injured already, guys like Jazz, Austin Riley, right behind them. So... We're looking for those guys to probably make the roster anyways, but just for a statistic deep dive. And like I said, it's hard to spend enough time doing full deep dives on all these guys for you because this episode is already an hour long when my episodes are typically 30 minutes. If we were to go do a true deep dive, which I encourage you to do because I'd love to hear your picks, this episode would have been four hours long easily. So I encourage you... Tell me where I'm wrong. Tell me who you would have in that their place. And let's have this conversation. That's the great thing about All-Star Games is no one is truly right or wrong. It is a conversation. It's a fun debate piece. These are my picks. And I'm not a fan of every team needs to be represented. So that's why I didn't do that. You might be a fan of that. And that is okay. You may think Austin Riley should make the All-Star team. That's okay. Let's have that conversation. I want to have it with you. Thank you so much for listening. And don't forget to vote. Because if you want your players to be starters, you have to vote for them. Alright, that's the show. Thank you so much for listening. I truly do appreciate it from the bottom of my heart. Don't forget to rate 5 stars and subscribe wherever you get your podcast. You can find the show on Twitter at BravesDuckOutPod. You can find my personal Twitter at Sports. You can find the website, all the socials like Facebook page, Facebook groups, all that stuff in the show notes. For business inquiries, you can email the show at bravesdugout.gmail.com. Thank you so much for contacting the show as much as you have. This has been an absolute blast this year. Don't forget to go vote for your favorite players for the All-Star Game. If you don't vote, they will not win and will not start. They need votes. Okay, so go out there and vote. That's your reminder once again. Thanks again so much for listening. As always, go Braves.